Hi, good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday. We are coming off of a long holiday in Japan. And I am JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima. And I am with. Hi, I'm Tova Kinoka, and I'm coming to you from Yokohama, just outside Tokyo. And today, once again, is our weekly 30 minute chat as we are both working with sustainability in Japan. And talking about、uh, our things that are on our radar today, we have some great news as well as book recommendations. And、uh, yeah, let's get started. Tova, you want to start? Okay, so、um, I think a topic that's been on everybody's minds for <laughs> quite some time, and particularly since the pandemic began, is life work balance, right? We're all looking at, you know, really how can we be living and working better, more sustainably, you know, for being able to keep going and, and enjoy our lifestyles more, as well as just、uh, surviving and paying the bills.、Um, and there was an interesting article that came out in the Nikkei Asia a couple of days ago. Um, saying that Panasonic、um, in Japan, one of the, the, the giants, obviously, of Japanese industry, has said it's going to move to a four day work week for anybody who wants it.、Um, so, previously, I think a lot of companies had perhaps had that option if you were caring for elderly parents or, or、um, you know, had other specific circumstances. But this is going to be open to everyone.、Um, and they've decided that you know, this is something that. Moving forward, particularly the younger generations are looking for more of a balance,、um, more time to pursue life outside work.、Um, and so they've committed to this four day work week. And we know other companies have tried it, right? Microsoft tried it,、um, I think, a couple of years ago and, and said that you know, 90% of people really enjoyed that and received it very positively.、Um, so you know, there are other companies experimenting with it as well. So,、um, yeah, wow, interesting, interesting trend. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that.、Um, there was a book a few years ago, The Four Day Work Week,、uh, right. written about. Uh, entrepreneurs and how you can create your own work life balance with your four day work week. And it's great to see big companies taking this concept on and try to give people a better work life balance. I know years ago I talked to some people from Mazda because、mm-hmm. we have Mazda here in Hiroshima, big industry. And he was talking about、uh, Mazda shifting to turning the lights off. At 6 p.m. on weekdays to make sure that everybody was home. So it's, <laughs> it's not only about like saving energy, but it was、right. the only way that they found to get people home and out the door. Yeah, There's so、yeah. much for people who haven't worked in Japan. You know about this pressure, right? You don't leave, even if technically your working hours are over, you don't leave because of peer pressure or your boss hasn't left yet, right? So,、yeah. if you have a four day work week, hopefully that'll work better、yeah. for Panasonic. Be interesting to see. I'm really curious to see what the uptake is on this、um, and what the you know, sort of longer term impact is on you know, their recruiting. There's a huge、uh, battle now to get the best talent here with a shrinking workforce. So,、um, you know, that should theoretically make them more attractive to、uh, potential employees, but also to see how that impacts the company in terms of productivity. 
long term because kind of on the the flip side of this and related to this topic as well um there was another article uh, i think i saw it yesterday i'm not sure when it came out um an opinion piece in the financial times the ft um from somebody saying let's admit it and be honest work from home is not really working for a lot of people and for a lot of companies um and looking at you know one of the factors being that it's very, very hard to switch off. You know, when you go to the office, you do your job, you finish, like you say, you turn, you know, the lights are off, your computer's off, you come home, and you can then make that transition to your, you know, family life or your personal life. It's not so easy when you're working from home, and I think that's something a lot of people have struggled with through the pandemic. And I think at the beginning, the research was showing, um, according to this article, that, you know, productivity was actually really good early on in the pandemic but then working hours have got longer and productivity has actually dropped and then the working hours people are actually putting less time in and, and perhaps getting a little disillusioned with the whole thing a lot of companies also have been finding it very very hard to maintain their corporate culture really when people are not there in person um, to maintain the connections to build trust within teams particularly people who have joined the pan uh, you know since the pandemic began have been fully remote that's really really quite a challenge for a lot of companies a lot of clients we work with have, have you know are experiencing this and talking about it wow so it doesn't yeah for everyone absolutely yeah and i i think we talked about this as well last week right about having those breaks and not even mm -hmm. though you're working from home not just working back-to-back -back meetings but having breaks in between to get out do a walk do some laundry do some stretching like just have a mental break from the, yeah. those meetings online all the time mm -hmm. it's it's such a different dynamic isn't it like even though it feels like you should have better work-life balance working from home. You actually, you feel more pressure because you can't escape. You can't come home right. to escape work anymore, right? Exactly, exactly. You're just always on. Um, and I think that's impacting mental health, well-being, perhaps physical health as well, if people are just sat in front of computers the whole time. Um, I mean, I know I noticed at one point last year that when I was sat in front of the computer all day working and then I go directly from that to the next room to start making dinner or you know something like this the number of steps per day when i looked at you know sort of how many steps i was logging up um on my little gadget it was um you know it dropped dramatically just you're not walking to the station anymore or walking out to go and get lunch and back in into the office or between you know clients and uh, different meetings as well it's just the, the actual movement goes down a lot and i think long term you know that really begins to impact um but I it's a shame. I don't want to leave. Especially sure, for yeah. people like you, Tova, mm. who are working in Tokyo or big cities. I think this has been a big shift, right? Because usually, like my sister is a longtime Tokyo yeah. uh, entrepreneur as well. And she gets so many steps in, like you said, mm. just going to public transport, uh, walking from building to building. And yeah. now you, you don't have that exercise. Exactly. You don't yeah. have that outdoor interaction you yeah. don't have that face-to-face -face, you know being close to other people as mm -hmm. well it's it's a really different dynamic now isn't yeah, it yeah very different so there are kind of the, the article was looking at a lot of the negative uh, impacts and side effects and how these are kind of manifesting um in productivity you know losses and stuff but i also think that 
we've got to be careful that we don't lose some of the benefits that we've had. So I think for people who are working parents or are caring for people at home um, or, you know, people who have mobility issues, actually being able to work from home has given them opportunities they would never have had before. And, you know, in terms of sustainability and decent work and economic growth, you know, and inclusiveness, we want to keep those benefits. Um, but it's finding that balance, isn't it, between making it inclusive and work available to people, but also thinking about actually this this doesn't work for everyone. So how can we have that hybrid culture, um, but really use it effectively to get the maximum benefits um, without, you know, the risks that it also comes with? Yeah, absolutely. And my news of the week, and I know I'm I'm quite late to the game here, but I have just thank you to my Japanese teacher, Ako Sensei. Uh, she does uh, great Japanese lessons and she's always focused on technology and okay. uh, the game industry. Sure. And she, this week, our topic is Toyota's Woven City. Have you heard about this? Togo? Yes, yeah, it's is out near Fujisan, right? In, um, right, and so their yeah. their kind of last year was a really big year for development for the whole Toyota Woven City. It was actually starting to be built, and so uh, in preparation for this class, I've had the chance to go through their website, go through a lot of the videos about the vision, but also about more recent news about how it's going, the development in progress. Now, it's a really interesting idea, right? Because they're trying to build something that, as the Toyota CEO says, hits all 17 the SDGs. Wow. That, that's In fact, he says, I want to add, I want to add one more. He says, I want to add the SDG for happiness. He says oh. in one of his speeches, right? And so, you know, there's there's so many experts from around the world that are collaborating on this project. Mm -hmm. They've got designers and engineers. And of course, all the technology has to be integrated with how people want to live. A big theme of the whole design concept is mobility. But they say mobility has two meanings for them. Mobility mm -hmm. in getting moving and mobility in emotion. Absolutely. Oh, wow. That's really interesting, right? So there's Ooh. there's so many firsts that we're going to start to see develop here yeah, uh, with yeah. this whole concept. And uh, I loved watching the video yesterday about uh, creating walkways that go across just for pedestrians, which yeah. go through uh, trees and gardens and take it slower on your way around the city. Yeah. And eventually, I think at first they're thinking of like 300 people are going to live there, probably mm -hmm. mostly people who are actively creating it, right? Making it work, testing yeah. it out. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, they want to expand to 2,000 people. Now, this has so many questions in my mind. Now, Tova, you are a special a special test specialty person, <laughs> expert. I'm losing my English. Um, about the social side of sustainability. And this whole woven city concept mm. is all high-tech, it's all using renewable energy, hydrogen power. 
uh, geothermal as well. So Fantastic. all the technical mm -hmm. sides of environmental sustainability seem covered. But I'm really interested, as I'm sure you are, in how it's going to work from a social side. Like how Absolutely. are we really going to choose the right people to live there who are going to appreciate it? be willing to take the risk, but also be willing to work and live in a different way. Right. Yeah. From a social perspective, it's going to be really interesting, right? This is, for me, the most interesting part of it. I mean, the technologies, like you say, the process side, the energy and all of that and the infrastructure, these things have been out there for quite a long time. You know, we, we know these things theoretically can work really well um, from an environmental perspective perspective and you know from a, a social perspective in terms of the process is making things more accessible for people easier for people um you know we know that is possible but like you say that the real test here is going to be how do people respond to that um emotionally how prepared are they to change their lifestyles um and live and work in a very very different way um, you know, humans generally are, are not overly keen on change. It's something that takes usually a very long time to happen. And, and if people are pushed into it, they tend to push back. Um, so it's about, you know, finding, I suppose, a way that forward that people can be happy to move into and then perhaps nudging them towards particular um, sort of changes uh, through sort of making some choices easier than others. So I'm really, really curious to see how this plays out from a, a social perspective, like you say. Oh, wow. I came across this video uh, today and it's showing mm -hmm. time lapse from last year about the work in progress. And you can see how they've chosen such a beautiful location. Oh, they are right in view of Japan's most famous iconic view, Mount Fuji, of course. And uh, they've started construction. Of course, if they're going to tap into geothermal, this is also a very good place to be. We know that uh, under Mount Fuji, there's actually active volcano, right? That it yep. hopefully yep. won't erupt anytime soon. Let's but tapping not. into that geothermal power is really smart. Uh, mm -hmm. All of the public transportation is going to be autonomous as well as uh, zero emissions, right? So it's it's just like uh, many of the engineers have said from around the world who are part of the project, this is a great testing ground, right? Yeah. This is a mm -hmm. great uh, controlled space to see if these concepts, these futuristic concepts can really work in the mm -hmm. real real day to day. So Absolutely. yeah, very exciting. Yeah. And it's interesting, like you said, that the people who are there at the moment, the people, you know, the first ones going to be living there are the ones involved in creating it as well. So obviously they're they're keen to be there to see this work. Um, you know, they they've got a real uh, sort of stake in this. So it's great that you know they'll get to live there while they're creating it to see what works and doesn't actually from a, a personal, from a uh, you know, community or family point of view, and then to be able to make changes before it's opened up more broadly. Yeah. And if if they're looking for volunteers who are very invested in sustainability, I know someone <laughs> who might want to apply and be part of your test project. 
<laughs> just like really, how how exciting how exciting is, for anyone involved in this new futuristic type of more sustainable city. So Absolutely. I was so happy that I stumbled upon this and I'm sure I must have heard about it years ago. But there is a problem with the katakana in that it's in English, it's called woven city, which is a beautiful idea of weaving mm. technology and social needs and sustainability, all the different weaving things together mm -hmm. is a wonderful concept. But in Japanese, the katakana sounds just like urban. Ah, okay. Uban, uban city, uh. right? So I, I think for many years I was hearing it as an urban city. And I was like, urban city? That sounds like maybe a mansion project or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Right? So yes. woven, woven and uban in, in Japanese is kind of a different, different sound. Right. Yes, yeah, one of those cases where the name doesn't always translate very easily. Yeah, yeah, mm. but now that I've got it, now I know what to listen <laughs> for um, in the, in the um, discussions about it, then I'll, I'll hopefully be able to pick it up a bit better now. Brilliant. Now I look forward to seeing how it develops and, and you know, what we can learn from this. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got a few announcements just about talks this week. Uh, Tova and I, just to save the date, everyone who's watching, uh, we are going to do a joint conference, all day amazing event. Uh, please save the date for March 21st, which is a national holiday this year. And we're thinking from sometime early morning, nine o'clock until four o'clock, have a bunch of different activities and presentations through the day. So please save the date for that. So excited, Tova. We've got a lot yes. going on in our mind, yeah. right? <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll be talking to some people later this week to start to move things forward on the logistics side. So hopefully we'll be able to announce some more details on that soon. Yeah, wonderful. And tickets are going to be on sale from next month. So we've got to get everything down this month <laughs> and really start getting the information out there. Yep, clock is ticking. Yeah. Uh, this week uh, in the talk show, I've got a couple of interesting guests. On Thursday, I'm talking with Tony Vega. Tony has been doing Japan Station podcasts for many years, and he has just started Tokyo Kyo, uh, Japan Kyo. We have to check now. Uh, Japan Kyo, sorry. Japan Kyo documentaries. And he's Ooh. working with a filmmaker in Japan. He's based in Hawaii, but he speaks Japanese really well. The filmmaker he's working with in Japan doesn't speak Japanese as well, but he's oh, a wow. great filmmaker. So they're collaborating on doing these like short documentary interviews with interesting subculture people in Japan. It's not your typical uh, situation mm -hmm. and uh, doing those documentaries now on YouTube. So that's really exciting to be able to talk to him. Uh, this Friday, I was supposed to have an event in Hiroshima, but we're having a big uptick in cases for coronavirus. Uh -huh. So we've canceled the in-person part of the event. And I'll be talking to one of the guest speakers who was uh, planned to come to the event anyway. And we'll be doing it as a regular Seek Sustainable Japan episode on Friday, 6 p.m. And Fantastic. she has insights from... Kagura in the rural area of Hiroshima. Have you ever heard of Kagura? 
I haven't, no. So it's a really fascinating uh, Shimane and Hiroshima is most famous for it. It's a performance with costumes uh, based on folklore, Japanese folklore. Oh, it's got right. great music mm -hmm. that accompanies it. Lots of drumming, so it's very exciting. And uh, her area that she's moved out into is really famous for Kagura. So she'll be talking mm -hmm. about that and how she's doing SDG seminars and trying to kind of influence the way forward for businesses and travel for her rural area. So that should be a good Brilliant. talk. Good. That's great. I'll look forward to listening. Yeah. Now, I just uh, finished uploading part one of an edited version of a talk I did with Lisa Mimura. And she had a really interesting talk on the show a couple weeks ago, um, talking about creating tours uh, which are more regenerative. Tova, wow. have you heard more about like regenerative travel or sustainable well, yeah. travel kind of to the next level, right? Yes, but I haven't heard about it in Japan. So I'm curious to know, you know, what, what's happening, what she's doing there. Yeah, so I just uploaded the edited form. So it's a bit uh, more of a nice video to watch. I hope not so many pauses <laughs> or technical difficulties. Now, what she's doing is she got an award for Good Travel Award from Hiroshima for a project that she was doing uh, to regenerate the forest taking some of the seeds from the trees and creating these small like bonsai type plants oh. to let it grow first in your house and then plant it back into the forest. That was mm -hmm. part of her project. And then she worked uh, with some local people, local community groups to uh, clear the hiking paths which they would then use for their Asagishiki walking tour. And so we talk in the in the show about uh, creating the tour and all the different elements she's using. She created a zero waste bento box that oh, the guides carry on their back. And Great. then the mm -hmm. bentos don't have any waste as well. You can reuse everything. Um, she's just so innovative and it's yeah. so exciting to talk to a young social entrepreneur in mm -hmm. Hiroshima who's just trying to make all these things work you know it's yeah. amazing yeah. and there it's wonderful the creativity you say thinking of all the little details and um, getting people involved um, in different aspects of you know sort of creating future um, possibilities as well clearing the, the hiking trails and stuff so that they can be used by people moving forward I think if you can get people involved in things like that I mean we were talking earlier about organizational change and stuff and how that's often well living lifestyle change and how it's difficult to to get people to change but I think one of the best ways we found and we do this with the the work with our clients is get people involved if you're just telling them now you need to do this now you need to do that people will generally not feel very engaged with it it's difficult to get buy-in but if you can show people yeah you can be part of this um you know you can have a stake in this as well and then they feel that sense of connection and pride and and you know accountability for the outcomes as well so that can be such a powerful motivator to show what's possible yeah 
Absolutely. And um, she also, one of the things that she's doing, regenerative in terms of rebuilding community as well as rebuilding the natural environment. Mm -hmm. um, so she gives 5% of any profits um, back to the community, people who are trying Beautiful. to clear the yeah. paths and do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So she, she really had such a great, clear concept about all the people, planet, profit, imbalance kind of concepts, but she never formally studied sustainability in that way. But she comes from an artisan family background. Okay. She grew up in a really interesting area of Hiroshima called Kumano, where mm -hmm. they're famous for making brushes, calligraphy okay. brushes, makeup brushes. And so she kind of credits growing up with this like heritage of the long family history of traditions in Japan mm. as being something that she's now using in how she wants to do business mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. Isn't that yeah. beautiful? I love that. It is. It's beautiful. And, and yeah, I love the idea that, you know, her background helps her have this long term view and, and thinking about community as well from you know coming from a family business and stuff like that it's all of these little connections really matter and make a difference yeah and listening to the Toyota CEO about Woven City, he's also saying the same thing, right? Mm. He says, my, when my father, grandfather started the company 80 years ago, probably his father, um, that legacy was about creating happiness and having a balance for people, planet, and profit. He didn't say those mm -hmm. three words, but that's what he's talking about, right? Yeah. So yeah. any long-term successful business in Japan often has these elements embedded yes. in how they do business and their mm -hmm. philosophy, right? Absolutely. And that's a massive strength, I think, for companies here and something that they can really leverage moving forward into sort of moving into more sustainable practices um, to, you know, to fall back on those core values and the, the understanding they have of the, the benefits of long-term thinking is really powerful. Yeah. So it's five minutes to go. We're going to talk about some book recommendations. Uh, you want to start? You've got a great book recommendation, Beyond so, Breaking yeah. Boundaries. So this book um, is actually also, you can see it says at the top there, a Netflix documentary as well. So I first came across it on, on Netflix. Um, so the book is, as you can see, by Johan Rockström and Owen Gaffney. So Johan Rockström is kind of one of the, the gurus of sustainability really globally. He's incredible uh, scientist, but is able to explain concepts, very complicated concepts in a way that are very, you know, is very easy for um, the average person to understand. And they're talking about um, planetary boundaries here. And by planetary boundaries, we mean sort of the the, the level, um, the, the the line, if you like, for things like um, for for carbon, for um, uh, biodiversity, for all of these things, over which um, we should not go because it becomes uh, sort of impossible to go back from that. So the the boundaries are the sort of the the par safe parameters, if you like. Um, for us to operate in as humanity on the earth. And he really explains those very, very clearly. Um, I haven't had a chance to dig into the book yet, but just looking through the main um, sort of sections of it, it really gives you a bit of background, um, but it's not a, a heavy read uh, uh, by the looks of it. Um, but then it 
breaks down very clearly what are these boundaries how do they impact us and what does that mean for us as individuals as communities as you know nations etc what kind of changes do we need to be making and it's very very clear messaging and the the documentary on netflix um was narrated by one of my um long term or sort of lifelong idols uh, sir david attenborough so uh, for me, I, I watch anything that Sir David Attenborough is doing. So that, that's what attracted me in the first place. Um, but the combination of him with Johan Rockström um, in the documentary talking about these boundaries and just showing really, really clearly how close we are to a lot of those boundaries and what we need to do to move back into a safer operating zone um, was yeah, an incredible watch. So. And I, I saw that the foreword is written by Greta Thunberg, right? That's so. right. Yes. So sort of spanning generations, right? You've got Greta, who's I think not yet 20. She's maybe 19 or so um, through to, to David Attenborough, who's, you know, in his 90s. So uh, it, it's bringing together all generations. This is not just the old guard saying, well, here's what we need to do now, youngsters, listen up. Um, you know, it, it's really bringing it all together. So very, yeah. very powerful and highly recommend it. That's great. Yeah, sounds awesome. Um, my book recommendation this week is Winifred Bird's Eating Wild Japan. Now, I have been really enjoying the shiitake this season, <laughs> right? We are having such amazing shiitake come out in all the stores and local shops. And a friend just went to a rural area and brought us back these giant <laughs> shiitake, which I grilled up and made into these beautiful sandwiches yesterday. Wow. So shiitake is one of the forest foods that she talks about in this book, um, about visiting people around Japan who are kind of professional or full-time forest foragers who wow. know what herbs and plants and foods to find in the forest. She gives some heritage and history insights about how these practices have changed over the years. She provides some recipes inside the book. Uh, one of my favorite stories, because I had the chance to interview her last year as well, one mm -hmm. of my favorite stories she told is about going to a bamboo restaurant in Kyoto Ooh. and having 10 courses of bamboo. That sounds amazing. I love bamboo. And she <laughs> you was like, you know, like after courses. the fifth one, you're like, how are they going to do another <laughs> version of this, you know? But then talking about how bamboo uh, used to be so used in every aspect of Japanese life that mm -hmm. it was kept under control. And it's only since uh, bamboo hasn't been used for baskets and wood and clothing like hats, mm -hmm. as well as food, that it has really become like a nuisance. Right, and taking yeah. over the forest and taking over people's gardens. How many people renovating old homes always complain about the bamboo takeover and how they have to spend the first two years like clearing all the bamboo all the time, right? Well, we, we, we so planted it in our garden a few more. years back and got in trouble with the neighbor for that. So, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah, I, I when we first moved in, I wanted to plant bamboo because I love bamboo. It's just so beautiful and it's such a regenerative yeah. Uh, quick growing beautiful wood um but luckily my husband's like wait wait let's think about where you're planting that and we don't want it to take over right yeah. <laughs> it's it's yes it thrives anywhere it seems so yeah but be careful 
So that is our 30 minutes, and we will have another catch-up talk next week. So great talk. Thanks, Tova. Brilliant. Thank you, Joy. Have a good week. And around and around, are you near? Pick up your phone, dear. I've searched for hours, but you're nowhere. I found the note beside your care bear. Won't you see? Won't you see? I'll take your pain, just let me through. Don't worry, baby, I love you. Don't be afraid to tell me the truth. Drop the armor, now I'm bolder.